0: Hello, everyone, right, folks. Welcome to another episode of Yoga Days Hobby Podcast. Uh, this podcast is, as she's not, if you've listened to it before, is all about gaming. So it's board gaming. I suppose tabletop gaming is the best way to describe it. So board gaming, RPGs, and uh, war gaming and skirmish games that I suppose fit under the um, war gaming umbrella. Um, at some point, some point, we may add. Um, Computer games and uh, card games. Um, If I can get some people who do those things um, interviewed, and you know, we'll get that ball rolling. Rolling. Um, So today I was hoping to get a recording of um, the Infinity RPG uh, game that we just started. Um, So it's basically. Um, ...the Infinity Skirmish game by Corvus Belli... Um, ...their world... ...but with an RPG version of it... Um, ...but unfortunately... ...yesterday all we did was spend time... ...building characters and... (coughs) ...as enjoyable as that is for... ...certain people like me... um, ...who enjoy the whole character building process... um, ...as part of the game... Um, ...unfortunately lots of people don't find it very interesting so I didn't record that um, but hopefully um, when we start playing it um, properly so the uh, adventure version of it or uh, well not the adventure version of it but the actual start doing the invention um, <coughs> I can get that recorded and you know we can get that played get that on the podcast um, it'll be a couple hours but you know Um, actual play podcasts I think are really good Um, a lot of people use them Um, and if I can I'll get them interspersed with the actual normal podcasts Um, so I'm still working on the format of the podcast uh, in a way that you know I still haven't decided whether or not I can have interviews with people or you know what if we're gonna have segments or it's just gonna be me talking about a hobby um for an hour or a bit or however long I managed to actually talk for. <coughs> Sorry, I've got a bit of a, a cold right now. Um so since I was talking about the Infinity RPG, um might as well continue on. Um so basically um the Infinity RPG. You make characters from throughout the human sphere, which is the the setting for um, the Infinity RPG. So, in the human sphere, you have uh oh, excuse me. So, um, in Infinity the game you have the main factions which are Panu Oceana uh, Yu Ching Ariadna Islam, the Nomads Combined Army um, Aleph, Toa uh, and then you've got non-aligned armies and mercenaries and what you so the Combined Armies <coughs> is basically a combined army of alien races that um, are trying to kill the humans pretty much Far, I, I'm not hugely versed in the um, the canon or anything like that but essentially that's you know um, what they are they are combined by the evolved intelligence which is an artificial intelligence that's obviously evolved um, to a state of the way they are Um In the Combined armies, you've got the Mora Aggression Force, Shavasti Expeditionary Force, and Onyx Contact Force. So I'm assuming that's just names for like the the different um, portions of that particular army. Um, so in the human sphere, um, Pan-Oceana is the great power. So, it owns the greatest numbers of the planets, it's got the richest economy, it's got the most ha- advanced tech, um, big melting potter cultures. Um, <coughs> so, it's um, basically the Western world, um, and it's quite, uh, when you look at all the iconography. It's quite a religious iconography for part of it. Um oh, oh, with the thing with them the, the military orders as part of the force, so essentially the knights, so Templars, so the rest of that kind of nonsense. Um but at the same time they've got you know they Knights of Montesa, Knights of Santiago, Knights of Sepulchre, uh That's the kind of fighters that they have, and Crusader brethren, and so <clears throat> not to um, insult anyone or offend anyone, because I, you know, I'm not a religious person. I was brought up Catholic, but I'm not religious, so I'm not gonna um, insult anyone by just saying that religion's nonsense or anything like that. But that's, that seems to be what holds. Pan Oceana together from the look of it, Um, even though it's a melting pot of Western cultures and stuff, you know. I don't know. Um so that's one of them. Um and then you've got Yu Ching, which is essentially you know, the East the Far East powers. Um so other great power eternal rival always conspiring and treating to bring down its adversary um, the entire far east is united beneath the banner of once was China but has now formed a single th- though varied oriental culture product of high, of great industrial and technological development and forceful thriving economy <coughs> so it's trying to be the dominant power um, the Oceania is pa- Pan-Oceania is but not quite yet pardon me so um, the next power is Ariadna so Ariadna is made up of basically the planet dawn which was lost to the human sphere years and years ago um, as the survivors and of the original colonists now they're mostly Scots and um, which are the Caledonians they're the US so Americans from US Ariadna um, then there's uh, Mer- Mervonica I can't pronounce that um, well <coughs> they are I think they're mostly like French and what have you um, so that's where they're originally from because um, you look at the, the names of the Cities and what have you, and they look like that. Uh, so Rodina, um, so that's where the colony ship for Ariadne um, was came down, um, and they're like Cossacks and Russians and um, stuff, like that, people like that. Um, so you know that is essentially the the people of Ariadna except you've got the exclusions on were the antipodes, Um, so they're like, kind of, big wolf, um, creatures, um, that, are anthropomorphic, and, you know, they're they're like, um, they're fighting like, like pods of three, um, so, whenever, you know, you play in the game, you have three antipodes, and a handler, um, so, um, (coughs) excuse me, that is where my character's from, he's Caledonian surprisingly enough Um, so basically um, my character when I was rolling him, got very close to what I wanted to play Um, so he's an aspiring Mormir, who are basically the be all and the end all of um, Caledonian military Um, so (coughs) in the process of playing or um, rolling for it um, I chose to be a Claymore duelist for my first um, career and basically Claymore you know Claymore duelist is what you expect big honking Scotsmen with big massive swords um, that um, fight duels funnily enough um, generally for whichever clan they're part of um, my particular um, character is um, from Clan McKendrick and it's the clan I made up so if it's not an official clan that's fine um, <coughs> and essentially his father's father father <coughs> is the leader of the McKendrick clan um, and essentially he's the one that deals with any of the issues that they have and honour jewels and all the rest of that kind of stuff and um, <coughs> So, after that, it became Special Forces, so joined the um, Ariadne Special Forces, uh, or Caledonian Special Forces, um, who are (laughs) the SAS, Um, so that's the Special Ariadne Service, so it's the Highlander SAS, Um, so they're the elite reconnaissance guys for um, (coughs) the Caledonian part of the Ariadne Army because um, all parts of Don have their own sections of the army so the, <coughs> area, um, the Caledonians have the Caledonian Highlander Army um, Mer- Minov- the Merovigians have the Merovigian Rapid Response Force US Ariadna have the US Ariadna Ranger Force and um Rudina have the Tarity Army Corps so um, once he moved on from that he became a representative on the clan on the <coughs> Caledonian government for the clan um, and now he's working for 012 which is what I'll get to in a bit because I'm going to go through all the factions um, before I do that Um well, obviously because that's t- the kind of turn I'm playing I've got a wee bit more um, to say about that so one of the other big powers is Hak Islam so new Islam, is a smaller power which p- possesses a single star system only, Burak, separating itself from fundamentalism Hak Islam bases its culture on Islam which is humanist, philosophical and continuous contact with nature Biosanitary Science and earth Formation are two major strengths of Hakislam, which include the best schools of medicine and planetology in the human sphere. So, um... Yeah, so they've got... Obviously their own... (coughs) Forces, excuse me. So, you do have non-aligned armies. um, Um... So, smaller factions. Um so and mercenaries in the human sphere um but I'll not go through them because um it'll take a wee bit of time so the other alien civilization is the Toa so they are um waging war against the uh, EI and the combined army um so, they are, again, another race of aliens that, you know, when you look at the figures, they look at it, get a bit bug eyed. Um, so, I'm assuming that they're a, a, a bug race, or beast, So, a bug race. Um, so, the last power in. Um, the human sphere is Aleph it's a unique artificial intelligence control on the data networks and technological systems of the entire human sphere Aleph is humanity's great ally without it intergalactic social political and economical systems would fall apart almost instantly but as it says in the thing who can know what Aleph really thinks it's representing tools will tell you that for the AI the sphere is home and responsibility that which it was created to help and which it will walk towards the future putting all efforts to human service, its detractors the Nomad Nation, who we'll talk about as well uh, will assure that Aleph for Aleph the sphere is a playground, a puppet theatre to manipulate simple means the singular end which is total domination by Aleph itself so um are the nomads, nomads 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 essentially the nomads um, are uh, consist of three and ships who inhabitants in disconnected from society controlled by huge macro economic blocks and by the AI have separated themselves from and roamed through space trading from system to system Tunguska is dedicated to the traffic and storage of information Corregidor offers skilled labour at a good price well, Bakunin trades all that is exotic and illegal in whatever era, from fashion to nano engineering. So, Nomads um, and the Ariadnans are actually quite tight. Um, from the um, fluff that I've been reading, um, they do um, combined military operations and that kind of thing, um, which my character has actually um, taken part in, and um, his backstory. Um, <coughs> so essentially the characters in our campaign um, it's not for every campaign but in our campaign um, work for Bu- at Bureau Noir for O12 which is essentially the um, um, neutral faction in the whole of the human sphere um, basically the work in or in order to maintain some sort of order, as far as um, um, so basically they are in charge of Aleph, um, in charge of making sure that it's not, you know, um, abused or not doing things it shouldn't be doing or, you know, that kind of thing, um, so, um. So, um, basically, it's, it's Secret Service, not as in the US Secret Service, but as in, you know, US CIA, you know, Secret Service of, um, so Bureau, that's Bureau, not Army. Um, they've all got different, um, within 012, there's a lot of different bureaus, um, so... Um, Bureau Toth is the one that's responsible for supervising and maintain, maintaining Aleph um, Bureau Wages is international legal issues, essentially what um, O-12 is, is actually taken over from the UN, essentially um, they've even got their own planet which is called C- Ciculum, Concilium um, um, so O-12 gets the recruits from all across the human sphere um, as well as their own Home world. Um, so, as, as I've seen, so you've got Bureau Ages, which is international legal issues with we'll political like and police tactics functions. So it's, that's the executive arm of twelve. And then Bureau Ganesha, charge of trading and international economics. Bureau Gaia or Gear, which is. It dedicated to monitoring the activities of terraforming, and especially study the omnisies of the human sphere. Euro Hermes, transportation, communication, charge of the circulars. So the circulars are essentially... So the circulars are essentially big, massive ships that are going... that have a, a set route. So they go from planet to planet to planet in, in a set route. Um, and that's essentially what keeps the human sphere held together. Um, so there's eight different circular routes um, so they're, they're continually on an endless loop they're going between planet to planet to planet um, um, and as, as, as it says essentially keeping the humans together um, so so you've got Bureau Lachme um, which oversees the medical and health issues and as I said Bureau Noir and Bureau Toth Um, So, you know, essentially um, the characters in our RPG are going to be working on behalf of O12 but at the same time we're all all actually going to have our own faction handlers so, on my you know, obviously, I'm an Ariadne. I'm going to have an Ariadne faction um, handler, um, and all the other players are going to have their own faction handlers. Um, I think there's two Yu Jing players, so obviously, they're you know, they might be two Yu Jing players, but they p- might be working for two rival organizations that have you know completely different you know, thoughts on how they want to do things. One of the guys is a Islam player. One of the guys is a corporate player. Um, we've got a minor player, and a minor state player, um, and then we've got a nomad player. So everyone, while we work for O twelve, we also work for our own organ, our own our own faction. And um, for the nomad player, he's a bit of an outcast. So maybe it's his way of getting in back in the good graces of you know the nomad. Um, <laughs> The Islam player is a, um what's the name for it? Um, an assassin, essentially. So, obviously he might be um, working for 012 because he's, you know, might need to get to a certain target and the only way to do it is working for, you know, 012. Or, you know, everyone um, basically is setting up their own character story. I haven't decided what my character's um, gonna be doing for Ariadna, but essentially what they're um, kind of, I don't know, they're overriding, um, what, what am I trying to think of, um, kind of they're, oh, my brain, <laughs> sorry sometimes my brain goes meh so basically the Ariadnans are aware that they're behind on surveillance and tech and tradecraft and that kind of thing um, so um, they're probably something to do with finding ways of improving the tech for um, the Ariadnans um, so, for Ariadne, um, the Special Investigation Division, um, which is um, kind of the uh, Cossack, um, special invi- the Cossack version of O-12, essentially. So, obviously, I'm not going to be working for them because I'm a Caledonian so I'll be working for the Caledonian version which I haven't found yet but I will find um, and essentially you know um, he'll be working for them trying to do what he's doing for 0-12 essentially I think um, doing wit work and all this, that kind of nonsense because he is um, kind of a since he was a claymore um and he's being special forces he's well versed in killing people so we actually have quite a few of them in the uh, in the group uh, one of the other characters is, is a Eugene corporate um, guy um, and obviously he's the he's the talky one um, we've got Hacker um, she's the one from the um, minor states can't remember where that one's from and uh, obviously we've got Hackerslam, Islam Assassin and then we've got the Nomad Pariah <laughs> essentially um, it's not bad at certain things but not good at a lot of things um, but you know we rolled some of us rolled really really well which was kind of scary because if I rolled really really well on character creation it means I'm going to roll really really badly when I'm actually um, doing things proper um. But, um, we'll get to the point where you know we figure out what what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong, and uh, hopefully, you know, a bit. I can see it being good fun, you know, um, because most of the people that are at the table, um, are players that played before and uh, campaigns at our club, um. One of them's a new guy, completely new. Came in yesterday um, to talk to us about the Necromunda campaign um, that we're doing. Um, unfortunately, the player I had for him uh, dropped out, um, but I, I've decided to drop out and just be an arbitrator for that campaign because it's a way of getting new people in. This is what I'll be talking about, and the other podcast is bringing new players in. Um, obviously he's been on our Facebook group and so you know he's talked to people and they said oh we do and there's a couple of guys that do Necromunda um, but he came in talked to us and um, obviously you know we sit, he's like he came and talked to me when I was up um, dealing with some stuff um, and it's like you know i really like to get any RPGs it's kind of a guilty pleasure not, not that I've ever managed to get through a campaign and I says. To pick up take up a seat. Seriously. We need players. We not really need players, but you know um when somebody says that to you, when somebody says it opens up, he, he's only his mate he's like that's guilty pleasure of me. Take a seat. Take a seat and play. Um The other game that um we've got I think there's eight players on it. But it's like that's kind of the what we tried not to get, um, with the splitting of our groups. See the the Star Trek one and the uh, uh, Warhammer Fantasy. You know, it basically split up ten of us into uh, um, into two groups. So one um, GM and four other players or five other players. But you know, now we've got to the point where we've added more people in, which means we've got even bigger. So that should be that should hopefully keep RPGs running in the Falkirk District Club for as long as people want to play RPGs. Um, I was talking to Kenny, who's one of the guys um, at the um, who helps you know liaise with new players and all the rest that kind of stuff. Um, And he was saying to me, we did used to have like a big RPG group, an RPG group in the in the club we were all just still playing war games um, all the time, um, and the guy who was in charge, you know, you know, he didn't want to. The guys that came along didn't want to get involved, and didn't want, didn't want to pay their way basically. Um, and then they were like, "Oh, we found somewhere else to play and all that kind of nonsense." But you know, they never did any real. Um, Real um, recruiting. I try to find the word there. Real recruiting of players. Whereas I is one of the big Kahuna's in the group, I suppose. Um, basically, the one of the one two or three guys with ideas for anything. Um, was like, right, I'm I'm the liaison between our group, or RPG group, and. You know the Facebook groups and all that kind of thing and I regularly, I'm like well, we're looking for players if you want to come play, you're more than welcome, come join in you know um, when we're starting a campaign that's what you've got to have you've got to have the excuse me, I need to drink oh. you've got to have that kind of link Got to always be like, we've got a new campaign starting now, and um, this is what it's going to be. We're looking for players, you know, let me know or come and see us at the club, um, and then we'll talk to you about it. Um, so, you know, we've got eight in one group and seven in the other, I think, including the GMs. There might be nine in one group and seven in the other, um, including the GMs, which is, you know which is big, because you know, if you think the average group in an RPG is what four, three to four and then you've got the GM so we've essentially got what could be what, four groups four four separate games um, for the, you know Any sort of RPG that we want might want to do, Um, but you know that's massive. Um, From you know when I started playing RPGs at that club, it was difficult to get players to come in and play. You know because we never had a, a dedicated Facebook group for RPGs and board games. Um, it was all on the War Games one, and then so I've tried advertising on various RPG um, forums, but the RPG forum that... for Falkirk is fucking hard. It's ridiculous the security bullshit that they've got on it. Um, now, this is talking for somebody who worked or is trained in network support for IT, and I'm telling you the security stuff for it was fucking nonsense. Because it's a gaming website. What essential information do you need for that much fucking data? For that much um, security on it? It's stupid. Um, That's me ranting. I'm going to stop ranting. Um, But yeah. I mean as I said. um, We keep on building the group. And as we go forward. um, That's kind of what we're looking to do. Not looking to, you know, be this one little unit of ten of us that you know aren't welcoming to others. It's right. You want to play RPG? We want to play RPG. Come play RPGs. If you don't want to play the RPGs that we are playing, then that's fine. You know, give us a suggestion of one that you might want to play, um, and we'll play it. We're quite happy and quite willing for people to come in and GM their own games um, Richard, who's GM in Mutant Chronicles for us now, has GM before, but this is his first time GMing at the club, and he's a very new member, um, Sam, who's GMing in Infinity, first ever time he's GMing ever um, and Infinity's not its not difficult, but it's not easy um, but obviously he has played Infinity in the Scottish game, so you know He has a background knowledge of the game, um, and you know that's important, I suppose, when you're GMing it. um, I wouldn't be that great at GMing it because I don't have that background knowledge. I'm still trying to um, bring myself up to speed with all the factions and all this that kind of stuff. I need to read through the faction handbooks and all the. background that I've got available to help me out when we're playing the game Uh, but, you know that's that's me, I think, on that's all that kind of stuff Um, but I will actually um, touch on something when it comes to RPGs Um, this is going to be a big RPG um, big on RPG uh, episode so basically, um, if you're going to start GM in a campaign, right? Or if you want to GM a campaign, um, find something that you're passionate about, like a game that you're passionate about, um, or a, a setting that you're passionate about. Because there's nothing worse than having a GM that's not passionate about what they're doing. Um, i played in campaigns where somebody's been pushed into doing it. Um, you know, we've convinced Sam and we convinced Greg and we convinced Stevie um, to do. GMing for campaigns but we convinced Stevie to do um, for uh, Dark Heresy and he's a big Games Workshop fan so that's fine we can gr- convince Greg to do, we didn't even need to convince Greg to do Warhammer Fantasy Greg wanted to do Warhammer Fantasy and we're like right in front of it um, we, t- we talked to him about what, you know if he wanted to GM and he's like and he had been talking about Warhammer Fantasy and we were like well why don't you GM a game of that um, and same as Sam it's like well the Infinity RPG came out and he bought the rules and it's like well if, if that's what you want to do we'll do that you know um, but that's that's an important thing also breaking um, your rules and knowing your rules before you know you start doing it because I've made that mistake I've made the mistake of concentrating too much on the campaign like building the campaign, building the, the background and all this, that kind of stuff and not actually um, spent time reading the rules when I really should have. Um, because there are going to be people that know the rules better than you, like Sam. Um, in some ways, if you do not concentrate on reading your rules. Now, a lot of the rules that you get in RPGs, are pretty self-explanatory because they're designed for you to have fun and adventure. But there are games where you know they're a bit complicated, and you have to go through them. You have to learn them. Um, or there are rules that are worded so terribly that it's ridiculous. Like third edition um, Shadowrun. Oh, oh my god! The fucking Matrix rules and that were ridiculous. Pretty much all the rules in that were ridiculous. It was ridiculously badly laid out and ridiculously badly worded, and it's like (laughs) I should have really read the rules rather than um, concentrating on the campaign um, itself (laughs) Um, and the characters and all the backstory and all that kind of stuff. Um, So, yeah, that that is something. It's a learning curve because I obviously I had GM'd before because a GM the pathfinder with these guys and a GM um, other games before um, in the past back when I did before I stopped RPGing Um so you know it was me trying to get back into it and being thrown curveballs left right and centre but next time I GM I'm going to have read the rules know what I'm talking about Um I've given myself 6 months to a year to prep for it Um so that's quite important. You've got to give yourself prep time. You can't just jump into a campaign. You can't just say to your mates, Alright, let's do this. Um, you have to prep. Even if you're not prepping like massive amounts, you've got to know the basic rules off by heart. Um, obviously you've got the rule book there for so like all the obscure shit you don't need to learn off by heart, but knowing the basics, that's that's a key. Um, knowing the basics about your players, like their abilities and all the rest, that kind of stuff, is important as well. Sometimes, depending on whether or not your player is particularly mindful of themselves, that's fine; they can do do it themselves. But um, otherwise, you kind of you kind of want to you want to know your player base um, and figure out what you need to know what they'll know and all the rest of that kind of stuff Um, do concentrate on your campaign um, like your setting and the lore and all the rest of that kind of stuff because it's important because especially veteran RPG players um, will want to know this, that and the next thing newer players will also want to know it but you know, they'll not know the right way to ask it it's trying to figure out what there's also trying to figure out what their characters would know, um, as well. Um, it's quite important. Um, it's knowing, knowing your players, knowing your player characters, knowing your campaign. These are all important things, but you know you got to prep that. Not to the end degree, because not everyone's going to want to know that. There are going to be players that want to know. Right, you know, if I'm playing a dark elf in Warhammer, um, not that you probably would in an RPG, but um, you know, if he's working with all these dwarfs and what have you, and um, why is he doing that? You know, is he an outcast? Is, you know that kind of thing? And um, that that's important um, for you to know, um, and for the player to know, obviously. Um, what else? I think that's it right? I think that's quite enough of me talking about RPGs for right now Um, oh no um, having a basic idea of the world that you're playing in so if you're playing in a world of your own creation, have lots and lots of maps Um, for my Pathfinder setting um, which was uh, an RPG setting that I had for years and years and years and has grown up um, I have all the continents mapped out I have all the countries mapped out um, the island chains and all the rest of that kind of stuff um, I may one, one day write a book and a source book um, in that particular world so um, I've got all that kind of stuff I've also got like basic stats on all these countries because if, what, what if I want to play in that particular country that particular country or you know a player comes from here. A player comes from there. It's always when you're playing stuff like Forbidden Realm, not Forbidden Realms, Forgotten Realms. Um, you know, Great Hawk. All these kinds of places. All the kind of Dungeons and Dragons settings. There is masses and masses and masses of information um, on these settings. Um, but if it's a setting of your own, it's always important to know you know where your player characters are from. You know, kind of their backstory and all this, that kind of stuff, so you, that helps you build, you know, um, your world around your characters, um, but if, you know, essentially you're building a world before, or it's a world you've built before your your players have even set foot in it, if it's an old world that you've been playing in for years, uh, and it's new players in a new group, um Giving them the information and knowing the information yourself um, is quite important. Um, because what you want is everyone to be immersed in the game. Um, I know from what Richard has said, um, what essentially happened with us, with our RPGs, is we were basically playing skirmish games. We weren't doing real RPGing. And... Um, to to a certain degree, um, because there were so many of us, because we were, you know, ten strong with one GM, you know, it's hard to get everyone involved in a game, and it it does it just essentially becomes a, a dice roll game. It's not a, you know, we need to know this, we need to know that. Um, I think which has been an important thing, when we broke up the groups, um. When we broke up the group to to form smaller groups to play more games, um, I think that has helped us get back to that. Um, you've got to watch for that. You can Obviously, most of us are um, wargamers at heart. Um, you know, there's quite a few of us that quite a few of the group had never done an RPG before. They'd only ever wargamed so or played skirmish games or whatever. They Oh, I was interrupted by the phone. There, um, yeah. So, obviously, with our, as i was saying with our group, um, a lot of us have, a lot of the players, had come from purely, you know, RPG, not RPG. Um, that was the problem. So they were purely war gamers or skirmish gamers, um, and trying to, you know, bring them into the understanding of this is how our RPG really works. I think we tried to <clears throat> dumb it down a lot, but not dumb it down. But you know, trying to push it more towards their um, type of gaming. Um, I mean, I, I probably had that issue as well because it had been so long when I first started um, playing uh, as a as a player rather than a. Um I don't need to check some these questions coming in on WhatsApp um, for the group um, about the Infinity RPG and handles and what's not. that's another thing um, I know I talked about having a G drive to hold all the facts all the campaign information and in one of the other episodes but also having like a clear line of communication between these also like a WhatsApp group or a Facebook messenger group or, or something like that um, that you can all like share information uh, and pass ideas along. So our WhatsApp um, uh, WhatsApp group is basically our group um, of players. But you know we don't just use it for RPGs. We use it for campaigns or for organising games. Um, you know between us. Um, And obviously, you know, as we add new players, we add them um, to the group chat. um, But, what, you know, that's quite good. Because it means, you know, if you've got a question for the GM that's come up, you know, we've all got each other on our phones, so we can all message each other to ask questions um, that maybe we don't want other people to know. Or, you you know, questions about, or character specifically so it doesn't need to be, you know, um added to the group. Um, so that's that's quite good having an open line of communication. I know when I say WhatsApp it's not exactly completely open because obviously it's encrypted and stuff but it's open to us. When we talk to each other, you know, if it's in the group, then everyone sees it you know, the whole group sees it, so uh, if, you know, you've got a question and you think it might be of benefit to the rest of the group, then you ask them you ask through that group chat, rather than you know, obviously just asking the GM on their own Um, but um, there's a lot of good stuff that um, you can get now for RPGs, there's a lot of great tools um, that are coming in and like, you know, because of the advent of computing and everything, you know, you've got loads of great campaign tools, um, you've got loads of um, ways of being able to carry your books around without actually carrying a big pile of books. I mean, I have a library of um, PDFs that I use for various games, which means I don't need to carry about four different books um, on a campaign. So, you know, for... um, I'm not going to go into specifics, but, you know, if I want to play a game, um, I don't need to... um, I've got a campaign book and I've got a source book and I've got this source book and I've got that source book you know I don't want to be carrying about five or six bloody um, books because it's quite heavy and it's quite bad for your back to be carrying that many you know 200, 300 page books about me um, but um, what was I going to say yeah so you know you get a computer computer is great it's a GM screen because nobody can see what you're doing, and um, because nobody can see your as long as you've not got a window right behind you, you gotta make that and make sure that you know you've not got a window right behind you if you're GMing, you know. So, you know, that's that's a good way of using your technology, you know, to your advantage if you're a GM. Obviously, you need power and all this, that, that kind of stuff, but you know, if you're in a building any building, really, you, know, you shouldn't have that much trouble getting power, even if you need an extension lead. Um, but, you know, that that's the thing. The advent of technology has improved the ability of RPGers to do what they do, without, you know, you know, to or advantage. Um, in addition, it's, it's easy to get, you know, roll 20. You know, that's a... Uh, um, Tiny, bring it up. Um, it's a virtual tabletop for pen and paper RPGs you know so you don't even need to be in the same physical space uh, as your um, gamers you know if you're in one place and they're in another you can still game with them um, we have tried uh, a virtual like a a remote GM um, so, Alistair, um, one of the guys in the club, um, couldn't make it um, down one day, and we were all there to do the Star Trek RPG, and we tried doing it remotely um, through through the phone, uh, basically, but uh, um, using WhatsApp or you know whatever it was to to get the voice in. Um, didn't work great, right? but that's because probably various um, issues with. You know, data and internet connection and all this, that kind of stuff. But you know, that that is a way of being able to keep in contact or um, keep the game going. If you know, you know, you're in a different place from everyone else you game with. You know, that again, technology is helping the RPG um, keep their games alive. You know, um, we have we have thought about using old twenty. Allow one of our um, players, who, because of family commitments and stuff, had to stop coming. Um, but you know, we we talked about it, and he's like, "Well, you know, I don't. Even if you know I could do it, we wouldn't have the opportunity to." We've also thought about doing a Road Twenty campaign, you know, virtually, so we can um, do it outside of the club. Um, but you know. Since I moved um, and I have the space to do stuff in in the house now, um, it's possible that I might be doing stuff from here. Um, but you know, the thing is, you don't need the computer. You've got a phone, phone. You can bring up your source books and everything like that. Um, and you know, phoney or, or an iPad or a you know tablet or whatever, you can bring up source books and all this, that kind of stuff so you don't need to carry 40 books about me anymore Carry them out on your phone carry them out on your computer an iPad also makes keeping track of characters much easier Um there's lots of different programs to do that but there's also you know form fillable character sheets for most games nowadays and um, where you just you know You just change it. It's as simple as going on your computer and changing it. Now, I know there are a lot of luddites in the world. And I know a few of them, myself, um, that don't particularly like that. But at the same time, you know, there's there's ways of helping the people that don't particularly um, enjoy technology, keeping them involved in the game um, as well. So it's not... um, I think it's probably one of the big advents of the big era of RPGs. Obviously, you know, you've had your big eras, you've had your big lulls, but this is huge. This is a huge time for RPGs. It's a huge time for gaming um, as a whole. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of little companies that do like bespoke adventures or, you know, their own stuff. For D and D or whatever game game it is, Um, these little companies are, you know, passionate gamers. That these these people want to, you know, add to the canon, add to the add to the hobby. Um, So it's not just, you know, your basic Greyhawk, or Forgotten Realms, or Erebor, or Ere- Erebon, Erebon Eberron even, Erebor, that's from Lord of the Rings, um, you know, it's not just the big guys, like um, Pazio, and Wizards of the Coasts and all these big RPG companies, um, Modiphius as well, kind of, big um, company at the moment they're doing a lot of stuff, they've got a lot of various licenses that they're working on, which is big, you know, it's, you know, it's massive. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, all these, you know, smaller companies, you know, a lot of them are like one or two people that are, that are friends, that game with each other, or just putting them together. I've found quite a few of them um, on quite a few people are doing that kind of thing on Twitter Um, there's one called Mage Productions um, which they seem pretty cool I'm not I mean I'll be honest I don't play D&D 5th edition so a lot of these people are doing D&D stuff so it's not my thing but you know it's the people themselves that's that's the thing a lot of the time these little um, companies are so passionate about what project they'll do, that it, you know, it um, it comes across in everything they do, you know, whether it's their Twitter feeds, or their, whatever, their social media, but it's also in the project, it's in the adventures, it's in, you know, everything they do, I mean, me and Fiona, um, did a Kickstarter, for like, dog adventurers, I mean, dog miniatures. I mean, it's for fifth edition um, D and D, but obviously I'll adapt it for Pathfinder or fifth or third edition. Um, So, you know, rather than it's, you know, that particular breed might be, you know, if it's a Chihuahua, it might be. I don't think there is a natural chihuahua in it. Um, it will be a half one or a gnome or something. Um, actually, I'll bring it up on the Kickstarter because it's got the Kickstarter are up here. Um, it's called da, 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 "Animal Adventures: Tales of Dungeons and Doggies." I think I've talked about it before. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's your know, everything. ...that you get from them... Um, ...it's obvious... ...there is a chihuahua... ...chihuahua rogue ...and a Pomeranian monk... ...so that'll probably be a gnome monk... A Cocker Spaniel Barb... Mm, ...do we make Cocker Spaniels elves? <laughs> or a, very, a different type of elf... Um, ...but... ...obviously... ...in everything they do... ...they're obviously passionate about animals... ...but they're also passionate about... They, they, ...they're passionate about their gaming... ...and that comes across that's very very important I think um, when you look at these comp- these little companies um, th- I mean there is little companies that are there for making money yeah, obviously but um, at the same time you know there's you know there's companies like that in every industry every gaming every facet of gaming those companies that are out for purely for profit—it's not about the um, the love of the game or the love of the the, the hobby. Um, I mean, Games Workshop are very passionate about their part of the hobby because obviously it makes them lots of money. But everyone that works at Games Workshop is very passionate about Games Workshop. Um, it's the one thing about my experience and. Um, <laughs> trying to get a job there is that it's obvious that there's a passion for Games Workshop and for Games Workshop games and people that work there Um, which, you know, obviously me not being purely Games Workshop um, probably didn't help me um, in the slightest, that I'm not a fucking Sitka fan, I'm not a Games Workshop only and I don't blame people for being like that because they've got a passion for it, I don't denigrate people for having that passion, it's just not something I've ever really had um, I love Games Workshop games but I'm not you know, stuck in my in my head it's been stuck um, as a Games Workshop player because it's the only thing you've known the only thing you've ever done the only thing you've ever been introduced to um, obviously I've had the, the bonus of being introduced to other things but um, you know if you're going to buy a product from a small company, I recommend that you, you look into them. Um, as I said, Meach Productions is one of them um, that I've come across, um, and they are very passionate um, about what they do. Uh, so it's www.meech.com. Uh, it's not even www. it's HTTPS com. so if you just go in there they've got um, podcasts they've got patents they've got um, various different um, bits and pieces so you know they've got um, character table cards they've got 40 plus establishments combat tracker there's a whole lot of different things um, for Dungeons and Dragons, um, so they've got they've got some free stuff, I think. Um, yeah, they've got some free stuff. But they've also got adventures that they're putting together and they're writing for um, DD, you know. But uh, what I've come across with them is they are very passionate. They are, um, you know, they've got podcasts themselves, um, so so they're major productions um it's just the name of their, their podcast Um so they've got 39 episodes at the moment um, and you know sit and listen because they're only half an hour or so piece, which you know is a, an interesting concept in a podcast because um, most podcasts I come across are like an hour or two hours or three hours Um but theirs is like half hour. Um, obviously if they were doing um like full play podcasts it would be three hours or whatever. So, however much long your session is. Um so um yeah. They're a good one to, to look into if you're looking for alternate adventures. not a lot of them that they've got up, but you know, it's a good good way to introduce yourself to small small um Adventure Makers um, I'll just have a look at it just now just on the website um, so they have one, two right now they've only got two adventures up but you know Genie's Playground and the Giants Watcher and Giant Watchers obviously if I was um, a 5th edition player I'd probably buy them but i not a 5th edition player so. um, but um, yeah as much as you're going to support the biggies try and support like little companies um, that are making RPG products because um, that was the thing about the open license for um, third edition um, that I thought was quite important. It let little companies get back into RPGs, and it was a big boom in the RPG um, industry. Um, I think we lost a bit of that. Um, during about a bit of the noughties 2000 you know, we lost that for a while and now it's starting to come back again um, with, you know not just the little companies but the big companies as well I mean um, obviously Fantasy Flight have started doing their own RPG setting not even setting, set of rules that you can play in any setting um, Modifius, they own um set their own kind of D- 2D20 system you know obviously was Wizards of the Coast have got their systems but you know everyone's trying to you know all the big guys are trying to build um, the industry I know a lot of it is off the back of things like um, the Big Bang Theory which as you probably heard me say I uh, um, have issues with at times and enjoy other times but you know that's beside the point keeping it at this level is important for the future of RPGs and gaming as a whole Um so you know you're always you're always trying to build not trying to not letting things stagnate not letting things go to dirt because you know we've all been there Um those of us that are my age or older you know there's been dips and troughs Um and there's big highs, low. You know, highs and lows, and tri- dips and troughs, and everything in between. Um, highs and whatever metaphor you want to put in it. And um, I, I don't really think any of us wanted to go back to that. You know, in the dark times where you know we didn't have a lot of people coming into the gaming gaming community and, you know, there wasn't a lot of new stuff coming out. Was Now, you know, you look at Games Workshop and you look at Modiphius and you look at Was of the Coast, you look at Fantasy Flight, there's stuff being released every month, if not every week. Um, and a lot of people complain about the saturation and not having enough money to spend on everything, but that's not the point. I mean, you don't really need to spend your money on everything. I would love to have every single army in Warhammer 40k, and if I played Age of Sigmar, I'd probably love to have every army in Age of Sigmar, but I don't need that. I play 2,500 point games at maximum in 40k. The fact that I've got more than 2,500 points of Space Marines is like, or Space Wolves, it's not Space Marines, I don't do it, I don't do Codex pussies. But, you know, the fact that I have more than 4,000 four points worth of Space Wolves is because I'm use them for both Heresy and 40k, um, so I've got a Heresy army and I've got a 40k army, but I can use both of them together well, I can use the Heresy with the 40k but um, that's beside the point um, you know it's not important that I have you know, 10,000 points worth of Space Wolves, so you know, I have Tyranids and Eldar and all these other armies that I don't want Um, you just a lot of people are just buying them for the sake of buying them, and the sake of having them Um, I didn't buy the Noise Marine that looks like the old metal one mainly because I didn't want it it's like well I'm not going to play a slanishy army for um, 40k so why would I want that Noise Marine I mean he's cool you know that nostalgia thing's pretty cool um, but don't want it, don't need it over the thing with um the oversaturation, which is a good thing but at the same time is a bad thing, is people are whining about the the cost and that's that and next thing and oh I can't get by this, I can't buy that. It's like well prioritise what you want to get. I mean with me, I have very lot of money at the moment, and um, coming in. Um, because I'm not getting commissions in and other reasons, you know, don't have a job, um, so I'm not whining about the fact that I don't have um, the time to, or I don't have the money to go out and buy this or that or the next thing. I'm like, well, my birthday's coming up, um, I'll just get my family and friends to buy me presents, to buy me stuff that I want, you know. But I'm also at the same time, I'm like, well, I've got. 200 napoleonics that I'm painting right now, um, that need, I want to get painted for my birthday so I can have the reason to go out and get new stuff, um, you know, the, the problem with a lot of people is that they whine and complain, and that's what they do, they don't, they don't get that This is an expensive hobby. It's always been an expensive hobby. And when you've got the money, you're like, oh, yes, I can go out and buy this. And then when you don't have the money, you're like, well, oh, I really want this, I really want that. It's like, well, think about it. Um, What do you really need? What do you really want? It's not about, you know, just because this is new and cool and I can have this one of the reasons that the miniatures are oversaturated because somebody goes out and buys a a 2500 point army Um, and then it's like oh well I don't like playing with this so they sell it and that happens every time a new army comes out people buy loads of stuff and oversaturates the market and drops the price and when you paint figures and people say oh it's not worth that much money it's worth this much which is less than the retail price you're like no fuck off it's worth more than that it's worth my time and you know you often people um, oh there's my rant for the day I think (laughs) yeah but you know I know this has been an RPG heavy podcast but um, there's going to be podcasts that I like that there's going to be podcasts that I'm talking about whatever I'm doing at that particular moment in time Um, I'm going to be talking about Napoleonics in the next podcast I actually have that planned and I'm talking about that um, so there are going to be podcasts where I talk about a specific subject in gaming for a whole podcast and then I might rant at the end of it about stuff um, but that's going to be how I do things I'm, it's going to be on the fly at times this was kind of an on the fly um, because I'm not feeling that great so I wanted to record the podcast um, but I am quite happy with the numbers, actually, at the moment. I know when I, I'm going to tell you the numbers. It's only 34 people, or 34 downloads. It's not a huge amount. But I didn't expect a month in to have 30. I didn't expect one a day. And it's less than a month in. And I've got 34. It's about three weeks in. And I have 34 <laughs> downloads. So, Or I did the last time I looked. So, if you like this podcast, I would entirely encourage you to um, tell your friends about it. Um, Put a comment on iTunes or wherever you get it from on what you like about it. Um, Recommend it to your friends. I I think I already said that. But, um, you know, rave about it, tell people about it. Um also if you want to keep the podcast running um donate to my coffee account um which I will put the li- which the link to is on the website page so that's um dot co. Um us uh, go watch my YouTube channel. Um I've got stuff in there, I've got unboxings, I've got a couple of battle reports at the moment, I've got a couple of introductions to games I've got me talking, complaining utter crap at times, um, but you know, support the YouTube channel, support the podcast, um, yeah. um, My Instagram, my Facebook. um, If you want me to paint figures for you, if you like the look of my figures, though there's not that many that are actually finished because I'm shitty at finishing my own projects. um, I'm terrible at finishing my own projects, but that's something I'm getting better at. You know, send me an email, contact me through my Facebook, um, contact me through my Instagram, and we'll talk. And I'll tell you the deal. With that, um, I think that's it for today. Um, so I'm going to say good afternoon, um, good night, good day, happy hobby.